0: and and talking, and uh, I don't see any introverts twitching with too much nervous energy, so um, great, great, great to have you with us. Fall is in the air. Are you so excited for fall? I think it'll last like two days, um, and then it will go into that horrible season where it rains, um, and so, but fall is in the air. Hoodies, fire pits, and the Broncos losing every week, you know? see, that's not nice. They're God's team. They play at mile high. They're closer to heaven than any other team. And uh, man, it's a good thing they're God's team because they ain't nobody else's anymore. Um, anyhow, I, I was gonna, um, in, in past years, we tried to get you to root for the Cleveland Browns because our very own Codeman, who's in the back, uh, back corner, um, Cody's a Browns fan, which is just so sad. Um, but now they're like kind of good at football. And, uh, and they're like, you know, having like these Twitter battles with AB, which is like kind of fun to watch that whole thing happen. So we need a new like team to root for who's terrible. So like maybe the Dolphins or something. I don't know. I don't know who it will be. Yeah. The, no, we're not rooting for the Chiefs, man. I'm a Broncos fan. We want all of the AFC West to not win. Um, put it that way. Hey, good morning, disciples. Uh, Great, great, great to be with you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, I am uh, truly excited about where we're going today, but I want to uh, tease a little bit November 3rd. You may know what November 3rd is, Uh, it is our 10th anniversary Sunday. Uh, 10 years as a church, we are going to party. If today's your first day with us uh, and you hate us today, just at least come back one more time because um, November 3rd is going to be uh, an awesome day. There will be gifts, there will be food trucks, there uh, will be um, pony rides. Um, I'm making stuff up as we go. Um, Michelle is, is freaking out. There won't be pony rides. There, there won't be pony rides at all. Um, we could, we can put somebody in a pony costume, and you can jump on their back, and they'll give you a piggyback ride. How about that? No, that feels even creepier. Oh. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a great day. So, uh, hey, on your way out today, uh, stop by guest services and grab a little stack of invite cards. You have asked for these, and so we have delivered. And uh, if you leave them on the counter, we will hunt you down. So grab them. We've bundled up little little groups of five invite cards and in they're business card size. You can just slide them in your wallet. You can slide them in your, in your uh, purse or whatever and invite your friends, your neighbors, your coworkers to come join us because it's going to be uh, a fantastic day. Of celebrating 10 years as a church, but really more than that, um, the lion's share of our celebration that day is going to revolve around reflecting back on the goodness of God and the provision uh, that He has shown us in the years and His redemption in our lives. The number of changed lives in this room and who will join with us that day are phenomenal. It's going to be uh, a great, a great time. So. Over the course of the next several weeks, we began last week in the series, People Who Bring, preparing our hearts to be the kinds of people who bring. So as we arrive at our 10th anniversary celebration and then prepare there for the next 10 years of what we believe God is leading us to as a leadership team uh, to continue to press into, As a church, we want to become a people who bring in these weeks. We want to reacclimate our lives around God's vision for us as a people who bring. God's work uh, to restore all of creation back to His ways, to restore all of creation back to Himself is underway. And you and I, we as a community of faith, play a critical and central role that God has for us to be bringers in all of that. And the reality is uh, you can't bring what you don't possess. Have you ever tried to bring peace into a situation where you were raging? My kids can tell you some stories about their dad. Have you ever tried to bring hope to a situation where you felt hopeless? Have you ever tried to bring joy to a situation only to find out there's no joy left in you. See, the reality is you and I can only bring to the table what we actually possess for any extended period of time. Like we can white knuckle it and fake it a time or two, but the reality is even when we fake it, even when we get the words right, everybody kind of knows we're faking it. It's pretty clear. We only bring who we are. We only bring what is actually happening. And so at, at the heart of becoming a people of bring is becoming a people who flow out of generosity. So if you're grateful, you bring gratitude. And if you are full of vision, you bring vision. If you're peaceful, you bring peace to a situation. My heart, I believe, is a reflection of God's much bigger heart for us as a people, to be a people who bring and who bring generosity, who bring an overflowing sense that God you have blessed me with much and my desire is to be a blessing with much. But there is actually a whole nother set of reasons to become people who bring and specifically people who bring generosity. The reality is, the truth of the matter is, you actually stand to gain personally from becoming generous. And for those in our community of faith, and there are many of you who are already generous and who, over an overflow of joy in the Lord and love for who he is, give generously, you are finding that you are gaining all the benefit to your own generosity. You see, there's some doors In the house of God, if we think about our experience with him as entering the house of God, there are some doors, there are some places only opened through the door of generosity. And once you and I enter in through the door of generosity, we find the mansion of God to have wings and rooms and experiences and feasts like we never knew existed behind any other door. And there's no side entry into these other rooms and experiences. There's some experiences with God that will only be accessible to you when you become generous. And you will see others in your life experiencing those things and want them for your life and there will be a block because the generosity door has not yet been open. There's some ways of living in the realities of God that will only ever be possible for those who are generous. Our heart as a leadership team, for us as a church, is to catch a vision today for generosity. And I pray that you leave here today knowing what is available to you through generosity. If you've got a Bible, grab it out and turn to 2 Corinthians 8. And if uh, you're using a smartphone, if you're new, you may see a bunch of people grab at smartphones. Uh, go to that little app uh, called Uversion. If you haven't downloaded it yet, go to your app store and find Uversion. It's a real, real simple download. And as you go into Uversion, if you just tap the bottom right there where it says More, and uh, and then click Events, you should see Disciples Church show up. You'll have to have your location services on to do that, but click Disciples Church, and it'll be well worth the the time to download the app and go through all the rigmarole because there's some embedded resources in there for you in today's talk uh, that I think that you'll find really, really helpful. Uh, So click on that if you will. And uh, 2 Corinthians chapter eight. If you uh, are using a printed copy of the scriptures, that's great too, 2 Corinthians eight. Would you pray with me as we get rolling? Father, Son, and Spirit, it's uh, for your glory that we gather around your truth. And we long through the power of your spirit to be shaped into the ways of Jesus. That Christ likeness in a family would become normative for us as a people. So teach us your truth, O Lord, as the psalmist writes, that we might walk in your ways. We pray in Christ's name, amen. 2 Corinthians chapter eight, beginning in verse one. This is uh, the apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth. And he says, now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in his kindness has done to the churches in Macedonia. They're being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. Who uh, feels that pain, right? If you have teenagers, uh, if you have babies at home, you are poor, yeah, right? But they're also, end of verse two, they're also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. If you're a highlighter or an underliner, grab that. Verse three, for I can testify, they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it of their own free will. They begged us, again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift of the believers in Jerusalem. They even did more than we had hoped for their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and to us just as God wanted them to do. So we have urged Titus, who encouraged your giving in the first place, to return to you and to encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love for us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. And catch verse eight. If you're feeling the weight and you're feeling heavy, catch verse eight. I am not commanding you to do this. But I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of other churches. It's a super interesting piece of the letter that Paul writes, deeply personal, incredibly pastoral to these people whom he loves and whom if you're familiar with either of these letters to Corinth, he's done a fair bit of smacking them around in the early parts of both the first letter and this letter. And now he arrives at this section where he says, listen, there is a gift to be had in generosity. Finish what you've started, he says. For centuries, the religious laws around giving, around generosity, around what's often referred to as the tithe and offerings, it hung heavy around the necks of the people of God. They felt the requirements of all the different offerings, all the different expectations at festivals and gatherings. And they spent so much time measuring up and trying to figure out how how little can I give and meet the requirement? How, How much ought I give? Is the best lamb really have to be the best lamb? When I I gained and gathered together the money that I will give from harvest and I I make the trip down south to Jerusalem, do I have to bring the harvest grain or can I bring the money? And, And when I get there and exchange the money, I'm getting ripped off in the temple gates. It's become quite the industry, this whole bringing your offerings to God. And so by the time we arrive to the letter at Corinth and by the time we arrive to Folsom in 2019, we all feel a collective exhaustion when we begin to think about the expectation of generosity on us. Am I doing enough? Why do they keep asking? But over the generations, it. It got distorted, as I've mentioned. And so many confusions come up, and why should I have to give to that? I mean, it's gonna be there whether I give or not. I give of my time. I give of my lovely presence. I serve in the nursery. Do you know how many screening kids there are in there right now? <laughs> There's like 12. 12. We should give them a gift, you know? God speaks through the prophet Malachi in chapter three, this incredibly famous passage of text. The uh, Christian English translation says it this way, bring the whole 10th part to the storage house. They, They were working in tithes, in tenths back then bring the whole tenth part into the storage house so there might be food in my house this is God speaking to his people please get this test me in this says the Lord of the heavenly forces I love that he groups that Lord of heavenly forces like as as if he's not powerful enough as if we haven't got through to us the power of God. Let's be sure that when we say we're gonna test God in finances, remember, he's the Lord of heavenly forces. He's like Charles in charge's boss. Test me in this, he says. See whether I do not open the windows of heavens for you and empty out a blessing until there is an It's best I can recollect. It's the only time in all of Scripture God says, test me in this. Test me. See if I won't be faithful to you. See if I won't pour out rich blessing on you. So Paul is starting this conversation around generosity in a very different place than what culture was used to. They were used to guilt and shame and meet the expectation and do what you're supposed to. And and Paul enters the conversation through a side door and says... Listen, there, there is only for you to gain in this. You're not working to earn God's approval with your gifts. You're actually giving out of the overflow of joy, out of the overflow of the love that God has shown you. That's how Paul challenges us to give. Verse five goes on to highlight that they overflowed their expectations, the churches in Macedonia, when they gave to Jerusalem. Because their first action was to give themselves to God, and get this, to us, he says. Like that the first action that God wanted of them was for them to give themselves over to God and to each other. As if you and I would begin to say to one another whether Literally, or whether just indeed, that listen, I am God's and I am yours. I'm yours. And so this money that God has blessed me with, I'm going to give a first portion of it to not only tell God that I depend on him, but to tell him that I am yours. We're in this together. And then this final line of verse seven, he says, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Incredibly relational letter. And as Paul thought of the churches in Macedonia and their overflowing joy in this ministry of giving, he wants this for his friends in Corinth. There was a joy that could only be experienced through generosity. And Paul's advantage was that he got to get around a lot and see a lot of other areas and churches and say, listen, that joy that's being had up in that Northern territory in Macedonia, I want that for you, Corinth. They're, they're broke and yet they're so generous and they're, it's coming out of joy. I want you to have that joy. I would venture the argument that in most cases, if you're a couple, if you're a single, it's a little different, but if you're a couple, the one who's responsible for writing the check or going online and doing the giving or from whose check you are giving is probably the one who's experiencing more joy in their life with God, simply because they're the one who's being generous. And the one who's not, who's not giving is lacking a measure of joy in their life. This is one of those promises. God says, test me in this so that I can pour out my blessing on you. Picture your life individually and our life collectively. Picture our lives with God as a giant mansion as I mentioned earlier but not like one of those like creepy, spooky ones, like a really happy one, okay? So like a little less Tim Burton or Sherlock Holmes and a little more Downton Abbey, okay? Think of Downton Abbey kind of mansion, right? Unless you're into Sherlock Holmes and that motivates you, then great, whatever. Picture this giant mansion as this analogy for our life with God. There are many rooms to explore. But if you're like me and you step into a giant mansion and you begin to find your way around, you get lost quickly. And if you were to live in that mansion for any period of time, probably most of us would end up zeroing in on a few specific rooms and places we would hang out. Maybe if your house isn't even very large, that's even true of you. Uh, If you're a teenager, like uh, we wonder teenagers, do you ever come out of your bedroom? Well, Will it ever happen? If there was a fridge and a sink in there, would we actually ever see you, right? <laughs> I joked with my kids that some, someday I'm gonna turn off the breakers of power in their bedrooms so they can't charge their stupid iPhones, and then I'll actually see them out in the living room because they'll have to come out to you know plug in their phones. But picture this mansion, and, and this is your life with God, and, and there's all these rooms and all these wings to be explored. But here's the thing, as I alluded to earlier, there are some doors in your life with God that he longs for you to open and explore what's behind them. And behind these doors, there are experiences that you long to have. I know it because I like live with you. You long to experience some things in life. And behind these doors await those experiences. But the door that opens all of, well, at least many of these, and we're going to look at three of them today, the door that opens those is first fruits giving. The scriptures are so clear. And over and over and over again, the examples of God's people, of the widow's mite who came and left her last coin that there was a joy in the presence of Jesus that others looked at and went, what in the world? The woman who pours the perfume over Jesus's feet has some sort of experience with Jesus that no one else can even understand. Even his disciples were like, what has she done? She's wasting money. And Jesus is like, hey, you leave her alone. She's experiencing of me something that is only experienced through the act of ridiculous generosity. People fully engaged in first fruits giving, experience a few things. And and frankly, uh, the scriptures support this, but I'm telling you, I I only know this because I've lived it with you. It's been 10 years, guys. Like we're, we're not new anymore. We've been around 10 years. And some of you I've been running with for 10 years. Some of you for nine and others for eight and some for seven and some for you, it's your first day and you're like, gosh, honey, why didn't we come on the giving day? Golly. This is brutal. Well, you're gonna at least get a little insight into who we are as a people. Some of you I've been running with a long time, and I have watched some things in you grow as you have leaned into generosity. And others of you, quite frankly, I have watched you stall out in your life with God because you have refused to break through and become a first fruits sacrificial giver. You'll give a couple bucks here and there. When the guilt's really strong, you'll throw a thousand. But you, have, you have lacked that ability to break through. And trust me, God doesn't need your money. The scriptures say he has a cattle on a thousand hills and the church actually, we're doing okay financially. We don't actually need your money either. I mean, it's helpful, but we don't need it. But what we do need is we need your heart turned to God. We need you surrendered. We need you in this with us, not holding back and watching the game. People who are given to first fruits generosity, I see three things happen over and over and over again. First, uh, they experience new depths of gratitude for God's kindness. You wanna experience new depths of gratitude for God? You, if you do a little inventory of your life and go, yeah, I'm really not as grateful a person as I could be or would like to be, I'm telling you, first fruits generosity will unlock that door to deeper gratitude. There's no two ways about it. Secondly, I find over and over and over again that those who are committed to first fruits giving experience a sharp increase of trust in God's provision. You cannot look at your budget if you work off a budget and go, we're gonna give how much or I'm gonna give how much every month no matter what, whether it's a a flat amount or a percentage, I'm gonna give that, I don't, I'm barely making it now, I don't know how I'll do it. I'm telling you, for those who step out in faith and do it every month, no matter what, I see a sharp increase of their trust in God's provision in their life. And I begin to hear people who once were incredibly consumeristic, terribly stingy, begin to say things like, I'm not even worried about it, God's got me. God will take care of this. God's gonna provide this. I'm gonna remain faithful in this. I, I believe in God. I believe that God will do The third thing that I see, it's not the only and last thing, but it's the third thing I'll mention, is I I see in people who are committed to first fruits a multiplying, enlarged personal vision for God's kingdom work. An enlarging vision for God's kingdom work. For the people in this community of faith who are first fruits givers, you are the people who have vision for God's church. And for those who are not giving, those are typically the people who have very little or no vision for God's kingdom work at all. They're like, oh, I should probably go to church. It's probably good. Doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. It doesn't mean you don't love our community of faith. It's not, a, it's not black white. It's not binary. It's shades. But I'm telling you, if you want to see your vision for the kingdom of God in our city and in your life, become a first fruits giver, and your kingdom vision will enlarge drastically drastically will remark I'm no Apostle Paul, but as you know, every one of our staff members at Disciples works a job outside and gets our livelihood elsewhere. And most of us take a very small stipend from the church as simply a thank you from you to help pay for gas. And that's about what it pays for for most of our staff. And so in my day job, I work with our denominational partner the NAB, and I get to help churches advance their own ministry, and I get to help lead the way in planting new churches all over North America. And so I get an opportunity to be with a lot of church leaders a lot of my week and a lot of my time. Uh, Just this last week, I was on a phone call with a church leader of a church about our size in a little tiny, tiny country town in Iowa. And I was asking him about what was going on and he's excited about what's happening in their church. And for the sake of time, I won't go into a whole ton of details, but he told me a couple of years ago, his people got really serious about their generosity because they wanted to make a difference in their city. And in a church about our size in two years time, they have saved well over $50,000 for kingdom work. And he went to his board here recently as a pastor and said, hey, I'd like to peel off, it sounds to me like they have hundreds of thousands in savings. I wasn't gutsy enough to ask the actual number, but he said, I went to the board and I said, hey, I just wanna peel off a portion of what we've saved for kingdom work. And I'd like to set $50,000 aside and pour it into our little country town. And his leaders went, $50,000 in this town will change the city. And he said, yeah, I know. And so they've asked me to come out in the next several weeks and spend a weekend with them strategizing how should they invest this 50,000 to give it back to the city? You just, people began to give and they, they saw their kingdom vision enlarge and they began to think about impacts they could have on the community well outside of themselves that surpassed any dream they had ever had before. Their gratitude for who God was, their trust in him to provide and their vision was enlarging significantly all the time. I asked him, when you started all of this, did you see greater depths of gratitude in your people? And he said, yes. I said, when the whole church got on board with First Fruits generosity, did you notice an increase in the overall trust that God would provide? He said, oh, yes. And of course, you've heard about their kingdom vision. The truth is, friends, you personally have everything to gain through 1st fruits generosity. And you have everything to lose by withholding. The church is just sort of a third-party beneficiary of your partnership with God. Let me give you a quick little snapshot of where we are at as a church and shift to a simple challenge let me give you a picture of our year-to-date income as a church Um, for those of you who like spreadsheets you're geeking out right now right Uh, we tried to simplify and and by the way just for those who don't come around for the money talks very often if anybody who wants a full rundown of all the finances of disciples down to the last penny uh, feel free to email treasurer at and we'll certainly get that stuff to you really really happy to do so uh, but total year-to-date income. So just for, through the first eight months of the year, total year-to-date, year-to-date income for the church is 157,000 and some change. Let me show you the breakdown of how that breaks down. Um, $2,046 of that has come in through cash giving that we don't know who gave it or how it was given. It's just cash left in a bucket um, and or unengaged donors. And more on that in a little bit, but what, the, by easiest definition, these are people who came one time and didn't come back or who are outside donors that have been giving for 10 years since the church started and have never stepped foot in the building. We have six or eight donors still who we raised money from to help us start the church 10 years ago. And they set up an auto pay through their bank and they still send their $100 every month like clockwork. Um they're, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's crazy. And we send them a thank you note every year a little bit sheepishly like, uh, you might not know, but uh, you still give this money. <laughs> it's like, should we say thank you? <laughs> Will we wake the beast? <laughs> but one guy recently go, yeah, I just, I never missed the money. Well, we had one family in our church in the room today who were accidentally giving double the husband was giving 10% of all their income. The wife was giving 10% of all their income and they didn't know the other one was doing it for months. And they went to rectify their budget. And they went, oh shoot, we're giving 20% of their income, guys. And they said to me in a meeting, yeah, so we just kept doing it. We figured, well, we don't miss it. We'll just keep doing it. Guys, that's radical generosity. Not by a family with a lot of money. I know them well not by a family who drives fancy cars or lives in a big house. These are regular people. Unbelievable stuff. So uh, $2,000 from cash gifts or just unengaged donors who aren't, who aren't part of the family is what I'm trying to say, okay? Uh, we have 11,000 and some change that comes in from rental income. When people use our building, we ask them to make a little donation and that's that money that comes in. Uh, kudos to our operations director, Michelle, which single-handedly makes that happen. So thank you, Michelle. Uh, Guatemala income, the money that you have given as a church to support Guatemala just in the last eight months to either send people on the team, send eco-filtros, or just send money, uh, just shy of $13,000 given to Guatemala. Way to go, way to go. Uh, Now let's get into a a couple groups. We try to do this really, really simply. So it's a little overly simplified, but really simply. There are 26 first fruits giving households in our church. Let me describe that as first fruits. People who in the eight months have given at least six gifts to the church and who seem to do it in a pretty regular fashion. The amount of the gift matters zilch. So some of those people give $5 a month. I don't know if we actually have any $5, but we have some very, very small giving. And then some give lots. So this is not about how much. This is about a regular commitment. I'm going to give this money every time right off the top. 26 households who do that, they account for $123,000 in income to the church every year, 26 families. None of us are rich, y'all, none of us. None of us are making hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars. Uh, there's another group, 25 engaged households. Now let me describe for you what I mean when I say engaged and it's in your U-version notes as well. An engaged household in our church is somebody who checks two out of four boxes, okay? The four boxes being Sunday morning regular engagement. So you're somebody who's here on a regular basis on Sundays. Uh, Two, or and or you are signed up for a fall life group this year. So you're engaged through life group. Three, you are an active volunteer in our volunteer system. So you're rocking babies or leading worship or working tech team or uh, outreach team or any of those teams, right? An active volunteer is three. And then fourth, you are a financial contributor of some sort, okay? So in order to, to cross the threshold for us to call that an engaged household in the church, we say, well, we wanna see at least half of that happening. And that tells us like, you're not just kind of hanging out. You're not new with us, still exploring the church. You're not just popping in. We call them creasters, you know, Christmas and Easter. Uh, see that, see what we did there? pretty great, right? It's pretty strong. I didn't make it up. Uh, But you're not just somebody who comes twice a year. You're somebody who says, hey, this is my church family. And of those 25 engaged households, they make up $7,500 in giving a year, okay? So you get the, you see the breakdown. What happens when you become first fruit? What happens when you don't? So we're not talking uh, about those of you brand new to disciples who are still exploring your involvement, who are still kicking the tires on this life with God. We're talking about those, uh, certainly not who have just visited once or twice. We're talking about us who consider this our family. And as we begin to consider Uh, what might feel like a bit of a sobering truth for some and and for others may feel really encouraging. I'm taken back to the words of Paul. Uh, Look back at the text with me now beginning in verse eight. Verse eight, I am not commanding you to do this. Meaning this should not be done out of compulsion, out of guilt, out of shame, out of waving some stick. No, you... Verse nine, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, he became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. Here is my advice, Paul writes. It would be good for you to finish what you started a year ago. Last year, you were the first who wanted to give and you were the first to begin doing it. Now you should finish what you started. Let the eagerness you showed in the beginning be matched now by your giving. Give in proportion to what you have. Whatever whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly. And give according to what you have, not according to what you don't have. We we don't yet have the house we want, so we can't give. We we don't yet have the car paid off, so we can't give. We we don't yet have enough money saved for vacation, we can't give. We we don't yet have Christmas paid for, yet we can't give. No, we give in proportion to what we have. Deuteronomy 16 gives you a beautiful insight into this picture as well. This is is a bit of at least a shrouded reference back to Deuteronomy 16. Verse 13. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make your life make life easy for others and hard for you. I only mean that there should be some equality. Right now you have plenty, and you can help those who are in need later. They will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal, as the scriptures say. Those who gathered a lot had nothing left over. Funny how it is, right? Some of us who make the most money have the least in the bank. Those who gathered a lot had none left over. And yet those who gathered only a little had enough. This is the principle of first fruits giving at work. So as we march towards the 10th anniversary celebration and all that God has done and is doing and will still do in the life of disciples church, there are some key Areas of ministry we are convinced God is calling us to crank up in the next 10 years. And while those ministries will indeed require funding, more importantly than the funding, those areas of ministry we believe God is calling us to will require that we are a deeply grateful people. It will require that we are a people that trust God's provision. It will require that we become a people who have an enlarged personal vision for the kingdom impact in our city. That is what will be required of us. The money will be secondary, third dairy, fourth dairy. It'll be way down the list of importance. But what God needs from us, what God is calling and inviting us to be is, here's what I need. I believe God is saying with all my heart, I believe this. He's going, I need a really grateful people in full who really trust me and who have been captured by my vision for the kingdom in their city. I need that people, I need that people. I'm telling you guys, I've watched us for 10 years and those people, those 26 families or 25 families in our church who are that people have only gotten there through the door of generosity. There's no side door into gratitude to trust and to an enlarged vision for the kingdom. There's no side door. I believe that's the way this will happen for us as a people. We've come a long way as a church and there are many rooms in God's mansion we have enjoyed and experienced and that we will continue to experience. But there's some rooms for which God's whisper is beckoning us in deeper. And I don't wanna be satisfied with where we are. I want us to be a people who answer his beckoning whisper to go deeper. Come and rest in the trust, God says, that he is ours and we are his. Come catch a vision for your personal role in the kingdom. These are rooms only entered through the door of first fruits generosity. So I invite you in. I invite you to join me and I invite you to join the other 25 families who have done that. Your leadership are with you in this. All 11 families in our leadership, all 11, pastors, elders, worship leaders are in for this. We have banded together and said, we will lead the way in being first fruits. We invite you to join us for those who haven't yet. It will be the most inspiring ride of your life and you will see God change you in ways that you will never want to go back. Lord Jesus, it's because of your goodness and your kindness that we're even willing to begin to explore how you might lead us afresh and anew, how you might take us to new places, how you might inspire us with a grander vision for our own lives that is resting in gratitude and billowing in trust for your provision enlarging through the vision for your kingdom work. Move in our midst, even in these moments, God. Call us out of our fear. Call us out of our inability to take the next step and walk with us, Holy Spirit, just this next simple step, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen, I wanna invite the prayer team to join me throughout the room and uh, point out a few things as we kind of shift gears prayer team will be around to pray with you. Maybe this is an issue that you, you, there's a stronghold on your life that needs to break. Maybe there's just something else going on in life this week. You've got something happening and you just need prayer for it, and that's great too. Come see somebody from the prayer team. They're up front, they're in back, they're, they're all over just ready to pray with you. We've also have the giving station set up for you to go give your gifts this day. For those who are already first fruits givers, it's your opportunity to go to that station and Pray over that gift as an act of worship. And whether you're giving it digitally online or texting it in or actually doing an envelope, I invite you to go to the station and let that be a spiritual act of worship. For those of you not yet uh, having accepted the invitation to First Fruits, I I wanna throw something out there to you uh, that we've never tried before and that I think might be really fun for us. It's something we're calling a 90-day First Fruits Challenge. And and here's the thing. Most of our habits, most of our spiritual breakthroughs happen because we just stay at something. You ever prayed for something over and over and over again and knew that it was only prayer that would break it through, so you kept after it until it broke through? Generosity is one of those things we just got to stay at. And so we're offering a a 90-day First Fruits Challenge, and we want to invite you in. It's it's embedded in your Uversion app. It's also on the church website on the giving page. It's simple as this fill out a very, very simple form. It'll take you 20 seconds. And if you feel God nudging you to make a commitment to some first fruits giving, fill out that form, hit submit. And if after 90 days of giving your first fruits, you don't feel a depth of gratitude growing, if you don't feel your trust in God enlarging, if you don't feel a kingdom vision coming alive in your life, send us a quick note and we will send you every penny you gave in the last 90 days. That's how convinced we are that this will change you from the inside out. I wanna also just uh, paint a quick little picture as we go worship. If just the 26 families who are engaged with us. You're in life group and you're coming on Sundays and you're giving a little something or or you're serving on a team. If just those 26 families would up their first fruits giving to $100 a month over the next three months, over those 90 days. So whatever it is you're giving now, maybe it's 10 bucks a month, maybe it's nothing, maybe it's a, a little bit here and there. If you would just give at $100 a month for the next three months, It's more than most of us spend at Starbucks. Just three months among those 25, 26 families. We could provide clean water for two years for an entire village in Guatemala of 100 families. If just the 25 of you would give $100. That's the impact, friends that's the kind of change. If just those 25 families would give $100 a month, at the end of our homeless shelter in February, we could give a full wardrobe, a new sleeping bag, and a tent to every homeless person at the shelter. That's the impact of your generosity at just $100 a month. So while the change happens in us and while we reap the benefits of that generous life, it does indeed Stand to your feet if you would. Let's worship together. Ashley's gonna come wrap us up at the end of the morning. But take advantage of our prayer team. Receive prayer. Go to our giving station and take the 90-day giving challenge. If you're not on version, just go to our church website and click the Give page and you'll see it right there. Scroll down on the page. May the Lord continue to bless us as a people and may we continue to answer the invitation of God to join Him on mission in our city. Lord bless you. I love you, disciples.